welcome to Geeks Worldwide, presents Press Any Key. I am, of course, your host, Michael Schluger, and this is episode 299. My God, we are on the cusp. I don't know what we're on the cusp of, but it's going to be amazing, I'm sure. Um, let me introduce the crew. Uh, we have Chris Lassard. Hello. Good to have you back on the show, my friend. Good to be back, man. Absolutely. And of course, Connor Howard. Hey, it's good to be here. And I got to say, it feels great being on the cusp of a Zack Snyder movie starring Gerard Butler. Yeah. It feels great. I don't know about you guys, but I'm loving it. Really? Yeah. I can't wait. You know, We'll get our abs oiled up and we'll kill some Persians. It'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll put some bitches in holes. Fine, fine. That is the one, that is the one movie I'll get excited for. If that that's, involves... That's yeah, that's what we do for our 300 300 episode. You know, that's that's that's, that's you know, I, that's wow. Okay, I, that completely went over my head, but <laughs> but I see where you what you were going for now because 300 like, is to, an amazing get it? American treasure. It, it is no, because I have such a negative connotation with Zack Snyder now. Like I really really dislike the man. I I think he's like shat all over the DCU, but. Wow. Um, Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> 300 was a good movie. But 300 was good. 300 yeah, was good. Really was. I, 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 I did enjoy 300. I'm not gonna it lie. made me realize I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Like I, like, I think it came out when I was in high school. And I was like kind of like battling with myself. And I saw that I saw that movie and I was like not looking at any of their faces. And, <laughs> and then like, like, it's like one of those like five years later, like looking back moments. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Super gay, Chris. Almost, <laughs> almost as gay as that time I made my dad take me to the Spice World movie. Thanks like, so much. When I was like 11. And like, how did you not know, man? How did you not know? As far as awakening moments go, that you could have worse ones. Like that one's, That's that true. one's not bad. That's, <laughs> That's true. true. That's very true. Uh, so uh, obviously our uh, episodes now are once a month. So we have a month's worth of news to go through. Um, or at least we're going to touch on all the important stuff. Uh, so let's jump into it. Uh, and of course, we have to start with Nintendo because pretty much tradition almost dictates at this point that we uh, start with Nintendo. So our, our first one, our first Nintendo story involves an interesting feature, uh, at least for Nintendo, that they put up and just recently took away. Uh, so Nintendo launched a fan review uh, feature on their site. Uh, which is really interesting um, if you, you know, because you can register your games Nintendo. So if you do, if you did that and you had played the game for at least two hours, uh, you could post a review. Um, which, by the way, Nintendo then would like check to make sure it wasn't full of curses or, or foul language or whatever. But they said that they wouldn't prevent a negative review from showing. Um, unfortunately, they pulled the service. They basically just took it completely off, and they said, and I quote, customer reviews have been taken offline as we evaluate this feature and its functionality. We currently have no estimated date on when an update will be provided. We appreciate the positive response and thank the reviewers who provided such thoughtful commentary on the games. Um, I think this is kind of bizarre, actually, to like, put it out there and then take it away. What, what was your, what was your takeaway from this? Do you think that like a lot of people just start talking shit about their games or what, what happened here? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. Um, obviously I didn't see any of the reviews that led to this, this uh, shutdown of the service, but like you mentioned, you know, as you, as you put it, they, they, you know, filter for 
profanity for vulgarity so like i doubt it was just a flood of bad words it might have just been like uh a lot of people saying stuff like bush did 9-11 or you know harambe lives you know like just probably just inane stuff that you know flooded the system like you think so you think that's what it was what i'm wondering is if did they have too much to go through and approve or did too much get through and get posted that they didn't want posted i'm not too sure like what the process was well Um, yeah so i mean like i think Nintendo gives itself three or four days to like approve your review or whatever. Okay. But yeah, maybe they just assigned like one intern and then they were like, fuck. That might have been it. Yeah. This just overall just sounds like something they weren't ready to implement. They they implemented it anyway when they weren't really Mm -hmm. ready. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, um, it could be an image thing, right? Uh, A lot of Nintendo games are geared towards younger people. And if the reviews weren't like, if they're a little salacious or had some interesting hashtags or, you know, vulgar language, one, they wouldn't make it onto the site. But maybe it was like too hard to, I don't know. Cause it kind of sounds like censorship as well. You know what I mean? It right. does. I feel like, I feel like um, rather than salaciousness, although I love that word, I feel like, I, th- I feel like what it was is just too many people were just giving things like three stars and maybe Nintendo... Which is, like, awesome, because whenever I buy something, I look at the three-star reviews, because those are the most honest ones, mm. you know? So, like... Those are usually the most detailed ones, too, because people will be specific about, you know, why it wasn't five or one stars, because most reviews are either five or one stars, usually. Yep. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and so you go to the three-star review, and I'm like, oh, actually, more three-star reviews have made me buy something than, than not. It's like, all right, these mm. guys have weighed the options. I don't really care about these three cons, so let's do it. <laughs> Let's mm. go ahead and get No Man's Sky. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, at, at the same time, I, I think it's odd when you realize, like, oh, wait, Nintendo doesn't have some sort of a customer review section. This is, this is like, basic functionality that exists on every other single platform to one extent or another. Like, PlayStation, for example, uh, lets you rate things but doesn't really let you write up a review. But you can still rate stuff at the very least, and that doesn't even exist. Um, yeah, it's super interesting. Netflix lets you do it, and it helps you like curate movies and shows right. that you want to watch, which is like an algorithm they could they could put in something like this that could be really helpful for sales. Yeah, yeah. Nintendo generally, historically, they haven't really been much of a follower when it comes to things like that. So, like, they might have thought, "Hey, we we gotta we gotta have a review you know system of some kind." They might have encountered difficulties they didn't expect, and right now I'm I'm thinking they're probably just going to tweak it and try and come back with something that's a little bit more in line with their philosophy and their their identity as a company. So maybe it'll be more of like a simple streamlined like thumbs up thumbs down system, or like emoji based reviews, or like like you can have your me, you know your your me character like act out your review or something that's just like that's more a more nintendo style review system that i expect mm-hmm. that's so yeah maybe, I, I would agree with that maybe they're working on something like that or something this is like just a beta or like a you know an experiment right right no absolutely possible absolutely possible and then we'll keep an eye out and let and let you you know you our, our viewers know if the systems comes back but uh speaking of what they're working on i can tell you something they're not working on and that is a, a supposed Switch 2.0. Um, so obviously, you know, when the Switch came out, I think almost uni- uniformly amongst ourselves, our, our little 
you know, pack group. We talked about how underpowered this thing was versus other consoles. Um, and one of the things we did talk about was the potentially it would it wouldn't be too hard to upgrade since it was based on the uh, Nvidia, uh, sh- you know, um, Shield uh, hardware. And they had released a newer version recently or had one in the works. Um, so, you know, it was a possibility. Well, Nintendo has come out and said, no, we're not doing this for now, uh, at least. And what they basically said is that they're going to extend the lifespan of the console via peripherals. That's their that's their game plan. So um, the quote here is, the people familiar said expanded switch features in the coming year uh, could also include additional network-related features and peripherals to be attached to its USB Type-C port. An investor briefing in February, Mr. Kimishima, who's currently the head of Nintendo, uh, the CEO, he had said that he wanted to make the Switch's product cycle longer than the five to six year span that's become customary in the video game console industry. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that's that's pretty much the, the, the important section of that quote here. Um, I, I think this is a weird decision. Uh, I, I, there's not too many consoles I can think of where the peripherals are kind of looked upon fondly or, or as a core component of that particular system. Um, yeah. Peripherals are, are, are just tend to be kind of gimmicky and they tend to be only good for a handful of games and they, they, they just, they take up unnecessary space in your house essentially as far as i'm concerned i think playstation move is definitely considered just kind of an afterthought i don't know if i don't know if sony expected that to extend the light the you know lifespan of the ps3 but i'm not sure it did so yeah i think you have a point there but yeah if i think if i'm sorry if, if any company could extend the lifespan of a of a system with peripherals nintendo has the best shot of pulling it off but i agree I don't know how I don't know what shape that would take though. Like that's hard to think about. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, like you know, peripherals to me, I you know, you say peripherals, I think like niche stuff. Like so, for example, if you're a huge uh, racing enthusiast, you're going to have a, a wheel, right? Peripheral. Right. Uh, or if you are a huge, um, what's what's the one uh, the the space sim. I think you were you were playing a Connor. I think. Oh, like uh, Elite Dangerous, like Elite a Dangerous. Yeah, so you might have like a joystick, and there's sure. actually a, a guy that makes like special pedals. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, for the game, so you can like maneuver your ship better. Yeah, like command boards, like Steel yeah. Battalion style, just setups that take up your entire table. Right. Yeah. So, right. So you know, I think of that, um, but like I said, that's niche. Yeah, I, it I mean, really is. I think like the what you guys are talking about, they're kind of catering to like the hardcore whales of of those games, right? Like, mm-hmm. in my opinion, you can't really play Elite Dangerous without that joystick. It's just not the same kind of experience. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, like what I think of peripherals, my big my first thought is the Elite controller that Xbox did, uh, where it had like the customizable pads that you can like customize how they release and have like fifty mm-hmm. different profiles. And the reason why I'm talking about it is because my company that I work for at the daytime that did some of the software for that. And they were expecting it to sell so much and change how people played the games because their controllers are now more customizable. Uh, and that's just, you know, it sold pretty well over Christmas and then it just stopped, right? It didn't do any of that like extension of life that people were 
expecting when that came out because it was a 200 something dollar controller it was so expensive i was i was baffled when i mean that it's one pretty came out. it's pretty it's cool it's yeah. cool don't get but, me wrong but, but again like who, who's gonna buy that right the person who plays a shit ton of fighting games and needs those you know mechanics and then there's an argument to say that they're cheating when they are using those things yeah right and and so that's the thing about peripherals that's weird but i think you're right connor like with the labo stuff coming out and how like quirky nintendo is they can go out of this world creative for what that is and i think another obvious one would be vr or augmented reality that could be capable with yeah which which they've said they're not exploring at this time but i'm I'm glad you brought up nintendo labo because i was going to mention it because that would you say Labo is a peripheral? Because it it sort of is and sort of isn't, right? Right, it's, right. It's... I was debating whether to mention it myself, but I, I I would say because it's like extra and you have to buy it, uh, then it right. starts as a peripheral. Even though even though it's really just software and cardboard, and you're really using the the Switch stuff that's already there, the screen, the Joy Cons, etc. You're not there's nothing exclusive about it um, outside of the cardboard. And I would I would consider it a peripheral just in the sense that you're building on top of what's already it's definitely a different kind of peripheral like a very unique kind of peripheral but I I, I think it still fits in my, in my book at least mm. yeah I think it's one of those like not all squares are rectangles but all rectangles are squares situations right <laughs> right you know, yeah. I think if we're if we're like talking about it in an umbrella then yeah it's totally a peripheral but would you like... it's just a really weird take on peripherals where it's right yeah right and, and but i think it's a brilliant idea as well it is. So if, if it's like along the lines of that i think they've got something but seven years is a long time especially in technology but yeah. nintendo's never been the one to say we're gonna have the best system with the best graphics you know they've never been that company so right that's well i would say actually traditionally nintendo tends to have a shorter uh console life cycle than the other guys because they're always playing catch-up and if you look at like the PlayStation 2, that was a pretty long life cycle. PlayStation 2 was about seven, eight years. PlayStation 3 was also about seven, eight years, honestly. Hmm. Um, and we're five years into the PlayStation 4 and, of course, the Xbox One. But, of course, that's kind of been disrupted with the Xbox One X and the PlayStation Pro. I don't know what's happening with the life cycles now with that sort of weird mix-up. If you think on the flip side of things, think about Nintendo's uh, consoles. The probably the N sixty four. I want to say had the longest life cycle, but from from the GameCube to the Wii wasn't that long, and from the Wii to the Wii U is also only about five years. Yeah. Uh, that, oh, the, that, that felt a lot longer the Wii to the Wii U than five years. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't feel like five years at all. It felt more like ten. It was crazy. Ten, like, really? I'm gonna look yeah. it up. I might be wrong. No, I'm. I know it's not ten. It just felt like ten because, like, the Wii came out when I was in high school, and the Wii U came out after I was out of college. So it just felt like a lot longer than. Yeah, you went you through know? a lot of life changes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Wii uh, originally came out in 2006. It was when it was wow. when they yeah. Uh, the Wii U released in 2012, so about six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know from the Wii U to the Switch was about five years because it was abysmal in terms of sales. They like they like needed to do it. Yeah, yeah they, 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 they needed, needed a new system. Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, th this is, I can't say it's a risky move because Nintendo's doing well right now, but I'm a little disappointed. I, I would hope that uh, they would do a, a refresh, you know, at least plan one. I yeah, yeah I don't I don't expect one this soon, but it's it's weird that they're not at least thinking about it. So that that's definitely interesting. But like my one angle of this that I actually appreciate is that um, a lot of I almost felt like a little slighted by Sony when they were like, "Hey, get the PS4 Pro," and I'm like, "I don't want to," but like, but okay, now you're a caveman because you don't have 4K gaming. Like, whereas Nintendo's over here. It's, saying don't worry about a switch too like you're good just keep playing what you just keep right. having fun we're nintendo we just want you to have fun so i i almost like i think it's an angle of like appreciating their players more they're mm. not like expecting them to drop you know drop money on another system to stay current right so i, I kind of right. like that actually okay that's that's fair that's fair uh any final thoughts before we move on chris Oh, I, you know, I'm just piggybacking off of what Connor said. I think they're quirky enough and charming enough and have released a string of really good games on the Switch so far. And so, I mean, if they kind of just keep that same roadmap and, you know, maintain that, like, out-of-this-world creativity, because I was harping on the Switch when it first came out, but now that, I ha now that I have one and, like, when I, you know, when I was sick, like, I played a ton of it, and it is a lot more portable than I expected, and playing Skyrim on a plane is something I never knew I needed. <laughs> and uh, even though we make fun of Skyrim being ported all the time, like, having that be mobile is so cool. Uh, I think, again, like, if anyone can do it really well, it's them, because those peripherals can actually be what's pushing that technology instead of I, the actual console. Yeah, I would say the biggest sort of um, concern I have for Nintendo is, from what I've seen so far of 2018, there's nothing that's really caught my eye in terms of a release schedule, or or there's no big blockbuster that I'm aware of that, like... I'm super excited about or, or is getting any kind of real buzz for now. Um, they did just announce that I think some of their other games like Super Mario Odyssey will get like updates. Like there's a new, I think they're going to put new areas in it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's, so that's different. That's also very different for them. That is different. So. Uh, you, 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 you start to see them, uh, you know, uh, experiment more with DLC and that kind of thing. So we'll see. Um, but in the interest of keeping things moving, uh, our next topic, uh, something very big happened in February, and that is the annual Dice Awards, right? And so the, the Dice Awards um, are one of those sort of like big deals that I don't think sort of comes across to the average gamer as much um, because like the closest comparison you can make is like the Oscars, right? The Dice Awards are the Oscars of the video game industry. Um, they're... You know, it's developers voting for. Well, that's that's also GDC, I guess. But um, what would you say is the biggest distinction in your mind, Chris, between a, a Dice Award and a GDC Award? Um, the Dice Award. So I don't know if this is what you guys feel about it, but it kind of makes me feel a little bit warmer on the inside. It's like <laughs> less. It's like less corporate, I guess. Okay. Is, do, you, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, I feel like they also take a little bit more time to, to decide what those awards are going to. But these are all just like observations I've made in my own head. So I don't mm. really know. That's fair. That's fair. Um, you know, both, both are very important industry awards. Um, the way that the uh, DICE awards work is I think there's a, a small committee 
that nominates games in each category, but then everyone that's part of the um, Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences it gets to vote then on the um, on the games. Uh, so this this year's awards, I, I mean, Nintendo swept them. There's really no other way of stating it. I mean, like they crushed it. Um, well, when you drop a new Zelda game and a new Mario game in one year, you're probably going to do pretty well. <laughs> well yeah, no, that, uh, like uh, uh, Fire Emblem Heroes won for oh, yeah. mobile game. Uh, I think uh, Snipperclips won an award, I believe. Yes, they the did. Switch. Uh, fun game if anyone's done it. I, I believe Mario vs. Rabbids also won an award. Yeah, so like the Snipperclips won Family Game of the Year, and then the uh, Mario vs. Rabbids, I think, won the best uh, turn-based or something like that. Hold on, I'm, yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Snipperclips that one. Uh, did you get, get shafted uh, for role-playing game of the year? Near Tomato yeah. won, but I don't it's, know. Is it... <laughs> a strategy simulation game of the year is the one that Mario plus Rabbids won, which I was... Very surprised at that one. Like out of all the games that they picked, that was really odd. Yeah, um, it's a good game though. It's really it, it's it's a great game, but yeah. And then you know, some of them are like no brainers. Like uh, Cuphead won uh, outstanding achievement in art direction, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think uh, Horizon Zero Dawn also won, but only in story. Um, well, story and technical achievement. That's, and, yeah, uh, good. Yeah, uh, action action game of the year went to uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, Ugh. and uh, role playing went to Near Automata. Mario Kart Eight even won the racing game of the year, which I think was a huge, wow. huge sort of. It's um, kind of an upset. Thinking of like you know Forza didn't Forza. Yeah, yeah that's exactly like Forza. Yeah. You would think. Do you think, like, do you think that the guys were like, I know Mario? <laughs> <laughs> that that honestly is probably part of it. Just. I mean, how much do you guys think this is a popularity contest? Like, I know I've made that point before about these kinds of awards, but like, do you think these decisions are made just based on popularity, or like, is 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 it just that name recognition of Mario? Do you think that's it? Or I don't so, know. I think Breath of the Wild deserved Game of the Year. Just yeah, probably. On, just probably. based on everything that all the hype and people calling. It. I, I, if it wasn't su- like Super Mario Odyssey or Breath of the Wild, I think that would have been interesting. Based on all the hype that you hear online about it, it's just like more mm. people play those games. I think because they're Nintendo games, they're more approachable. Uh, but like Mario Kart winning best racing game, I think is like the biggest kind of like blinking thing. I, I there yeah. is definitely an argument for Mario versus Rabbids as best strategy game. I think based on how I've seen other people play it and how impressed people are, and I think that game really benefits from. Uh, like the expectations you go in are pretty low, and then when you play it, they just completely exceed it. Mm. Uh, but things like Mario Kart that really does just show that it could be a popularity contest. But yeah, that is a little w- bit of a weird decision. Yeah, that one is doesn't make sense at all. Especially because I almost feel like you know it's it's weird, but I don't think of Mario Kart as a racing game. I understand it is, but it's. It's like a really super casual racing game. Yeah, the spirit the go. spirit of it isn't the same spirit that most serious mm-hmm. racing games have, you know. It's right. like it well, technically I mean, I don't think that makes it less of a game though, right? Just because well, you no. play it at a birthday party doesn't make it less of a, you know, award winner, right? Yeah, that's not what I mean. I mean like, I don't know, it's just like 
a racing game is kind of hard if that makes sense like there's a lot of factors that go into i you know like you got to pick the car and the engine and you tune it and you like it's really precise and uh mario kart is not about any of that it's more about like coming from behind like an asshole with the, so uh, my, with the blue shell. Yeah. My, uh, my counter-argument to that is that's what Dota players say about Heroes of the Storm. That's a very good point. So I gotta I, say, that's a great point, Mike. Mike that's that's <laughs> pretty, un, yeah, pretty, pretty incredible. So, so, I mean, and I think Heroes of the Storm is just as competitive as those other ones. It's just competitive hmm. in a different way. It's just right. fewer fewer nuts and bolts to tighten. Like that's yeah, the kind and of the so only like, difference. And then and then you go into this black hole of does because I think games. I saw this article. I don't remember when it was, but it was really interesting. Was whatever happened to linear games, right? Because hmm. because I liked linear games back in the day, right? Yeah, and so you know they're. You I know, still like, like linear games. Yeah, and I think people have added. I think it's the Dark Souls effect, right? They like add a, an insane amount of difficulty to one extend playtime and to make it more competitive or make it more serious or something like that. Hmm. And I don't think a game necessarily needs that complication. And honestly, hmm. it might actually get. Because I think Dota suffers from that. Like, why do I have to hit my own creep? Right? I think that's dumb. And so, like, I think the best part about here is if they've eliminated all of the unnecessary parts of a competitive MOBA, like items and and runes and skills and stuff like that. I don't know if you can actually, you know, make that same argument for Mario Kart, but I don't think because the game is less, is, is not as hard as another one, makes it less of a game. Mm. Or less deserving of an award because that's, maybe that simplicity is why it won, right? That's fair. That's fair. Um, by the way, because I know that someone will will ask, uh, the sports game of the year went to FIFA 18. Deserved. Can't believe I can't believe there's like 18 of these things. Um, yeah. The FIFA, <laughs> the, the FIFA like crowd is intense, man. There are a lot of people who play that game. I, I'm sure. I don't. I don't doubt it for a second. Uh, I'm just. It's still kind of mind-boggling because you know like it, it it can't change that much from either year so it's it's weird to me yeah i don't I, get it at all either i i guess that like you know someone could make that same argument about call of duty or assassin's creed yeah, but i would probably. counter that i don't play uh call of duty or assassin's creed every year i'll play it every three or four years because that's when something changes yeah. but i feel like that's not the case with the sports game crowd i feel like they they must buy it every year. I think. I think um, sports game people like are the same people who buy Call of Duty every year too. I mm -hmm. think that's the same person because when I was like super into sports games, I bought NCAA football two thousand eight to two thousand like thirteen, mm -hmm. like every single year just 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 because it was the newest version, right? Mm -hmm. And so right. Uh, it's just a different kind of player in person. I, I yeah yeah yeah. Um, by the way, the uh, the last category, which I, we haven't mentioned, is the fighting game of the year, and that went to Injustice 2, which cool. I've heard good things about. I haven't... It's, it's better than uh, Street Fighter. That one, by the way, had some minor controversy uh, recently because they they had a $100 uh, special edition that came out with like special skins involved and stuff, and now they're coming out with a game of the year that has those skins included for 60 so that's causing oh, a little bit of a... I didn't know that, but I bought the $100 version, and now Ouch. I'm a little upset. So, yeah, I would be it. too. Ah, man. But no one knows Injustice. No one knew Injustice was going to be that good. It's it's so it's fun to watch. I really like it. I rented Injustice 2, and I really enjoyed it. Like it, I think that 
it introduced a lot of systems that were really cool. Mm-hmm. Big yeah. improvement over the Mortal first Kombat one. Ten was a was a good game, and it's on the same engine. So. Oh yeah, I still have yeah yeah I still have Mortal Kombat Ten. It's a great time. I haven't I haven't touched it. Um, in fact, I haven't played too many fighting games. But the new Soul Calibur, whenever it comes out, that's a day one purchase for me because I'm a huge Soul Calibur guy. So I'll, I'll once that happens, I'll let you guys know. Um, but you but, can't jump. <laughs> you can you you sort of can, but not really. You every can fighting hop, game, right? every fighting you game can needs to open their match by jumping and then kicking. That's, that's how every so <laughs> that's every how the pros game, do it. That's how every Street Fighter game starts, right? You you jump in the air and then you do a kick. That's exactly every single time. That's how most Mortal Kombat matches start too, just a flying kick. Like both. I have a great games. game for you, Chris. It's called Dive Kick. You would love it. <laughs> okay, awesome. Let's do it. Oh, wait, wait. You really don't know Dive Kick? No, I don't actually. What? I've actually never heard of that either. Oh my god! Both of you need to go check it out. It's a it's a game with only two buttons: jump and kick, dive and kick. That's that's it. <laughs> that's fantastic. It's a fighting that's game. Great. That's great. Even even I could probably figure it out. Then that sounds awesome. It is the the most uh, basic distillation of a fighting game ever, and it's most of it is like one hit KO. As long as you land one hit, I think you win. Go check it out. You, you'll love it. Um, I think you guys both seriously really like it. Cool, we'll do it. Uh, uh, um, speaking of another sort of a slightly less well-known game, uh, Papers Please was sort of a uh, a darling with the indie scene. I don't know how many uh, you know regular gamers played it. Um, you absolutely should. It's, it's fantastic. So it's like a, it's like beautiful. And when I, I'm not like using that to like, I don't think I'm overselling it at all. Like, I, I, maybe my next it's not graphically beautiful. It. Let's be no, clear. I kind of think it's like an art piece. Like, I really, like, I really yes. love that game. No, the game is definitely making a statement. It makes you think. Um, and it's not easy. It's a, it's a hard game. You really have to be kind of paying attention to it. It's also recently launched a short film. Uh, which is uh, pretty cool. Have you have you watched the short film, Chris? I have, and it breaks, I think, the stereotype that I'm going to call it a movie, that all game movies are bad. Uh, <laughs> because this one actually was really good. Like, uh, at first I read it because uh, I watched it at work, so I, went, I just watched it with subtitles. And mm-hmm. even with the subtitles, I was like, holy shit, this, this is good. And I finally <laughs> watched it with sound, and uh, it was even better. And, uh, like, the raw emotion you get, because, like, you, you come up with these images when you play the game, and just to, uh, to give the viewers a little something to work off of, a little frame of reference, you play like an immigration agent for a fake country that's kind of like Russia, that's in a war with like its bordering neighbors. And so people come right. in, and, and you have to sh- like see the papers, and, and you have to decide whether you're going to let them into the country or not. So you try to spot errors, and you try to spot like inconsistencies in their stories, but there's also these emotional choices you have to make. And, and I should mention real quick that speed is a factor as well because you only get paid for as many people as you clear. Mm-hmm. And uh, you need the money to feed your family and like yeah. yeah. And speaking of your family, when you like like there's a woman who comes that doesn't have papers, but her husband's over there. She's trying to see her kid, and uh, you have to decide whether to take the hit on that money for your family or don't allow her to see her family. And so it's kind of right. like those decisions you have to make. And it's really cool because he made the game because of his observations of immigration agents during his travels. Mm. And that's like, and that's where it started. And then the movie kind of just takes those same, like, I think, really uh, 
the most obvious ones that like were really impactful in that game and just put real people to it and made so much human emotion get attached to it. I really, really liked it. And the reviews seem to be really good. So, yeah, and and you know when we when we say short, we really mean short. The whole thing is just a little shy of eleven minutes. So go check it out and go check out the game if you haven't, you know, played it or heard of it. It's available on mobile. It's available on Steam and various other uh, platforms. So definitely, definitely check this thing out. Yeah, yeah, it's been out for five years and is just now, like, like last year, getting like really recognized. It won, I think, it won a, a, an award for best indie game of the year back when it came out mm. in 2013 or 14. So give yourselves a do yourselves a favor. Simple. It's fun. It's beautiful. For sure. Uh, so let's see. What is next? Look at this. We are just like burning through our stories. Um, so let us cover the PlayStation 4 story, and then we'll talk about the uh, the Steam one. Um, Sony has recently added a, uh, you know, what some people are calling a big update. Um, I'm kind of, I'm not as, as heavy of a PS4 user as uh, you, Connor, so I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Tell us about this new update that uh, Sony released. Yeah, for sure. This is um, <clears throat> less of a discussion topic, more of like a PSA out there for any of you uh, fellow PS4 uh, users like me. I mean, I split my time pretty evenly between PC and PS4, but um, I when I am on PS4, I do love to play with friends, like especially now that uh, Monster Hunter World is out. That's like that's kind of my, my social game right now. And uh, this new update, and like you said, Mike, it's not a huge update. I don't think it is either, but it is, it's small, but significant. It's pretty cool. So what this allows you to do, it's like a new uh, browser function. Um, I guess for a while, if you want to talk to your friends on PlayStation Network, you kind of have to message them through your system. You can do, you can do it on Vita too. There's like cross-platform there, but you would have to be on a PlayStation system to do it. There's also a PlayStation app that you can have mm. on your phone to do that. But th but with this update now, you can do it through a browser. You can just sign in and uh, access your messages. And it it's kind of like just yet another dimension through which you can reach your uh, PlayStation Network account. So no longer do you have to, you know, turn on your console and message your friends or, uh, you know, download the app. You can just do it through. Like, it's cool for me because I, I'm, at a, I'm at a day job all day. You know, I'm at a desk. I can, I have a laptop there. So, like, I could just check my messages there if i wanted to so it's it's small but it's pretty neat um it's it's on a you know so it's playstation network is uh now accessible on pc phones tablets through a browser um mm. and it's like kind of a new streamlined version of your ps4 profile so it's a, it's this thing called my playstation so it's almost like a new profile it's almost like a new way of presenting your uh your account and i think this this marks like another step in kind of a long process that PlayStation Network's been going through to make your account on PlayStation Network just more social media-ish, you know? Because mm -hmm. like, I think back in the day, you know, when PS2 was first breaking out into the online and PS3 sort of streamlined it a bit, it was still very much a just, this is how you play your games. This is just a game profile. But with PS4 and, you know, that era's revamp of the network, they started making it more and more like an actual social media channel where you could... Right. You know, I don't know if you're aware of the uh, close friend requests, Mike, on PS4. I am not. Yeah, so what you can do is on PSN, you can send close friend requests that are like friend requests, but extra, where, you know, you and someone will reveal your real names to each other. So it's almost like, and there's even oh, face. It's kind of like Blizzard. Uh, 
on the Blizzard client. Yeah, yeah, basically. So like you'll have actual real world contact information instead of just a gaming handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, PS PSN uh, PlayStation Network's been doing that for a little bit, and they've also even had Facebook integration to your profile, so you could just sort of import your Facebook profile into your PlayStation Network profile. So I think this feels like just another continuation of that, the uh, my PlayStation kind of update. So just something to be aware of if you're, uh, you know, if you play socially on PS4 pretty often like I do. So just you know, keep an eye out for that. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, our last uh, regular story um, of the month has to do with this. Now, to be fair, I wasn't really familiar with the studio, but the studio is called Incel Games. And uh, they recently got banned from Valve, which is sort of a, a big deal, or banned from Steam, I should say, um, which is a big deal. I mean, if you are not able to sell your games on Steam, that is... Uh, that You're slipping it up pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, that makes it really difficult because there's only arguably one other, well, two other, I guess, big platforms, and they're nowhere near the same size. You got GOG and probably Green Man. So those are the other two ones that pop into my head. Yeah, uh, there's Humble Bundle, but I don't even know if they allow oh, you to Game just... Jolt. Game Troll? Game Jolt is really big in the indie uh, world. Oh, oh Game Jolt. Game Jolt. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with that one either. So why did they get banned from Steam? Well, they got banned for leaving fake user reviews. And by that, I mean the employees were essentially instructed to leave positive reviews about uh, the latest incel games um, that were released. Uh, because, you know, obviously since that feature came out, which is funny because, you know, we're, we were talking about Nintendo at the top of the episode removing this feature. Uh, once Steam added this and they added curators and they added all these sort of layers to decide whether you want to play a game or not, it became really important to have positive reviews. Games that have mostly negative or mixed reviews tend to not sell as well. Um, and so, yeah, this is a big factor, especially for smaller studios. Uh, Steam found out and said, we're not going to tolerate this and just got rid of it. Um, Chris, obviously, I think you have the, the most experience here, you know, coming from a small studio. Um, do you think that Steam acted appropriately or you think they should have just kind of let them off with a warning or maybe like a temporary ban or something like that? So I think this is kind of a, I don't think this is a black and white type of answer. So bear with me. And so I think, I think the biggest thing is I do believe this is kind of common amongst indie studios to leave reviews, especially with family and friends and incentivizing them to leave reviews. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. think, a lot of those companies think that they're doing anything wrong because, you know, technically they are buying the game and playing it and reviewing it. They just know they're going to get a good review, right? So there's definitely some moral aspects to that that are, you know, in question. I do like that Steam has, you know, finally talked about this because, again, I do think it's kind of common. And the fact that they got banned hopefully means that I can trust reviews even more, (laughs) you know, especially for indie games a little bit more now because I've always felt, um, I've always felt really weird about it because I've had other uh, friends from other companies ask me to do the same thing. I've even been offered like gift cards for the iTunes store mm-hmm. and like to leave reviews to have that in- incentive. And I've always felt icky about that. And so it's nice to know that my feelings are kind of shared through 
Steam as well. It just sucks that this is an indie company that I think was just trying to get their game out there and get real, uh, get well more well known because that market is so saturated. And so the best way to get your game known is by getting good reviews. And if those aren't coming in, people can get desperate because you've spent hundreds of thousand dollars on this game that no one's right. playing. And so it's just it's it's hard. Yeah, it's it's definitely sympathetic that you know I think we all know how unforgiving the industry can be sometimes, and if people like you know quit their day jobs or pour their savings into their passion projects, yeah, like like you said, Chris, they just get desperate. But, uh, this is like a this is a multi the developers from Malta, so they're kind of Mediterranean area. They they might not have been familiar with just the uh, kind of codes of conduct on Steam that might have just been kind of new to the platform didn't really know what the regulations were possibly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I think right now the, uh, the industry as a whole is in this huge boom period and there's just too much stuff coming out that way more stuff coming out than people want to play or can keep up with even. And so you're seeing this sort of desperation, as you mentioned, Chris, because people have invested so much money and without, you know, promotion, the smaller studios can't compete at all. Yeah, reviews are like gold, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, when we, so we're releasing a game in like a year, right? And we're already lining up reviews for that game so it can launch with it. And wow. it's, it, it, and that's super important because you need to launch with hype, right? And if no one's seen your game, then you're not going to get that hype, especially a horror game like we're doing. And so, you know, it's, it, it's so hard because then, because then what happens is you get an Ori in the Blind Forest or a Bastion, you get your kind of like group of five indie games that kind of just outsell the rest too. Mm. And you want to, you want to get there. And so if you're not part of the PAX 10 or the indie mega booth, it's so hard. And the best way to even get a shot at one of those places is to have those reviews as well, because they're not going to look at a three-star game. And right. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, I feel for them, and I, you know, they might not be aware of the rules. A lot of the indie developers don't do that kind of research. They, they think that you know, it's all, especially if they think it's all, you know, under, it's all good, good to go. It's it's tough, but I I do think Valve did the right thing because it allows each game to have the organic reviews, and then the focus is more on marketing rather than just getting reviews for your friends and family. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's the way that's to do fair. it. That's fair. So at the end of the day, uh, I mean, if you're listening out there, your reviews matter, believe it or not, especially for the smaller titles. So if you do check out something like Papers, Please, you know, let others know because that's that's how the indie games shine, word of mouth, good press. And, uh, you know, whether you, you know, love or hate Call of Duty at this point, you know, your opinion's not going to really make a huge difference, I think, but it's true. Yeah, uh, no, it totally is. Yeah. But with 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 indie games, uh, you can make all the difference, honestly. So, I know we take feedback super seriously, right? Uh, because like we don't know who else is going to play that game, so we don't have that sample size to say, all right, you had an issue here, but these eight other people did it right, mm. and so. It, it's just a lot harder in, in this world. And it, one of the few industries where word of mouth is still like the main way of advertising. Right. It's super important to get that going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I think that covers us for all the regular stories. 
Um, but we do have some great what the fuck pieces for you as well. Um, I'm going to start by letting you talk about the uh, the titty streamer. Yes. Uh, okay. So I have. Okay, so Casey Tron is a legendary Twitch streamer, uh, probably one of the first. I think she actually might have pegged the term herself, titty streamer. And so for years, right? And like, I think it's, I think she started like before we got into the double digits in the 2000s. I think when Twitch was like just starting to get popular before, Mm. you know, someone bought Twitch. Casey Tron was a streamer when I was playing League of Legends uh, way back in the day. And I remember my ex-boyfriend at the time showed me Casey Tron. And for the longest time, I thought she was serious. Like, so, so, (laughs) yeah. So in the clips I saw, she seems so sarcastic. So, yeah, I get that. But then I'm like, but she's crying. Okay. So anyway, so one of her shticks is that she'll like do badly at a game on purpose and uh, she's like a hyper troll, and then she'll start crying and say, "Sorry, I'm crying because I'm a girl." And like <laughs> she'll she'll like uh, like shake because her boobs will shake as well. She she'll be like, "I'm so sorry," and um, and I'm just like, I want to laugh, but I also feel bad for you, and I don't know if this is real or not. And but I would keep watching. It's like watching a train wreck, right? Some of her <laughs> other highlights are in this story. It's uh. She drew a line on her chest and said, "Twitch told me I couldn't go below this line." And then, uh, and then another one. She, a, a fan, actually sent her a whore certificate, and then she showed it on stream and said that I can do all of these things because I'm certified. And <laughs> right, so you're laughing oh because it's kind of brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very, it's very new age comedy. It's satirical. So, so in this in this article, it's dank. It's, <laughs> So in this article, she finally admits that for the last eight years, this has been an act. And these fans say the most terrible things you can imagine to say to a person. And she's just taken it for the last eight years. And finally, in this article, like they talk about how she considers it a brand of comedy and that it's just a personality mm. and that, you know, in her real life, she never gets called Casey Tron and doesn't tell people. And she actually writes skits out for these things because she actually for like a couple months covered up her boobs and they they call she's calling it her grandma phase and like and like she lost and like everyone still kept watching though because the person her personality is just so annoying Mm. and like you like want her to cry almost right but it's just crazy to me how this one person makes a shit ton of money every year on twitch for the last eight years and maintained this character the whole time and you know it's on the cusp of getting banned in like every game she plays and yet she's still hyper popular and it's just played with our emotions the whole time. It's like, I don't know whether to hate her or absolutely like respect her. Yeah, no, I, I have pretty mixed feelings about it. I will say that my favorite Twitch personality was a puppet that I saw. <laughs> That's awesome. It was, it was pretty amazing. I'd have to look it up right now, but this was like a Muppets esque puppet that would like play games and it was it was he would talk and interact with the audience and it really looked like he was playing whatever he was playing it was it was was intense well done (laughs) i've never heard of this person until i read this article so and it's just so it's kind of cool that like twitch has become a medium for that kind of stuff too right because it kind of Mm. 
it kind of opened my eyes on what Twitch can be, what Twitch can be used for, and whether I still don't know if she's serious or not. Though I think she might be trolling that person who wrote the article. No, no, know. no. Wait, Lance, put put the picture of her back up. We might get more viewers. <laughs> yeah, that's gold right there. We need. That's what we need. <laughs> um, another big thing that she does is like she'll like she'll like start a game but only walk back and forth doing it without ever engaging in any fights and saying it's because she's scared because she's a girl and apparently uh, and and apparently it's like because she she she's like working off of these stereotypes that these terrible people watch you know her do and it's like i don't know man i don't it's, know it's like it's like a self it's like a self-eating like feedback loop of just trolling like they're just trolling each other in an infinite you know void <laughs> it's it's fucking hilarious yeah. I, I i i was aware of casey tron before we brought this up like i i think i remember hearing about her a few years back like i saw i i've never been on twitch in any you know serious capacity i was never really a audience member of anything but i did see some of her highlights on youtube where like she would play league of legends and you know do her trolling bit and mm. i remember thinking like what what the fuck is this like as she was doing her character where she's like pretending to get pissed at guys she's playing with yeah or like like yeah. like she's like baiting them like oh you're you know you're trash talking me because i'm a girl like she's like you know baiting them i'm like who the hell is this bitch like i remember thinking like what's her deal like she's annoying fuck or whatever like <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not yeah. i'm over it but then yeah i i I've later came to realize she's doing a character and i'm like my my general feeling of her is like i'm not interested like that's fine that's funny like you know i'm from the outside but I do respect like the thought that goes into that. That's kind of funny, like hearing about it. I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it, but it's like that's pretty funny hearing about so, it. So, like, basically, the reason why this isn't what the fuck for me is because one, I've been trolled for the last eight years, and I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I, didn't I didn't make, I didn't, I don't know why, because I always pop into her stream just to see what she's doing, like what crazy mm. thing she's doing next. Uh, obviously, not for the titties, right? And so, <laughs> sure, uh, based on our Spice Girls conversation from earlier. <laughs> And, yeah let's, let's keep that in mind yeah 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 and so like it's just it just makes so much sense to me now and there's got to be more people like me that are are just that, that have thought that she's just been this that she actually talks like that <laughs> and, i definitely i definitely did for a while but i think someone had to point out to me like no dude she's just doing a character but like but this she? i don't know. i <laughs> right yeah, I don't know. There that's might so, be levels okay, to it. That's so, that's so like, what the fuck to me? She's either like a genius or really that terrible person. So. She, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's a tough call. Yep. Pretty much. Someone, I, I want to get your opinion though, really quick, Chris, on something I saw earlier. Someone mentioned like Casey Tron is a terrible person. Here's why: she'll go into like a public game and join a team and be bad on purpose, basically ruining the experience of the randos she's matched with, like through no fault of their own. Like you're just trying to play a game of Dota or league or whatever it is. And she bombs the game for, you know, for goofs for her channel, but you're like an innocent victim of that because you're just trying to have a game. Like, does that reflect on her badly? Like someone, this is just a comment I read. This is even, this is not what I think. I just read this. So like, I'm wondering, do you think there's any validity to that? Like, is that, does that speak to her character? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But that was like her shtick, right? So that's what she's known for. So, so that, but still, like that's fucking shitty, though. Like it is super. It is. It is super. Super shitty. Like yeah, it's for a joke. It's for a character. That's fine. That doesn't make it less shitty. I think but that's these what other this four people meant. aren't in the on on the joke, right? They're right. And that's and that's like that's through no fault of their own. They're just kind of an innocent bystander, and they're victimized almost. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No. It's no, weird. Totally. Yeah. It's I, weird. I, I I see that. I see that part as well. But unfortunately, 
that those reactions or those highly emotional reactions of the other people on the team are why people watch. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. We come back to this the feedback loop yeah. of infinite trolling each other and just hatred. People like watching trash, right? That's right. that's <laughs> America, dude. That's America. I mean, that's all it is. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty that's much. how that's how Omarosa can work in the White House and then, on, <laughs> and then go on Big Brother, like literally right after she gets fired. Right? That's oh, that's man. that's that's one of the most American things I can think. It's of. very true. No comment. <laughs> not touching that one. Yeah. Uh, so our reg- the rest of our stories are not quite so intense, just... um, and two of them involve Final Fantasy fifteen. Which we all know how I feel about Final Fantasy fifteen. Um, spoiler alert, it's garbage. Um, but it is coming out on PC and we're seeing some I, I think somewhat questionable cross promotions, but I'm curious to hear what you guys think. The first cross promotion, the the really odd one, the super odd one, is with the Sims four, which to me is like who the fuck is still playing The Sims 4? But I, I'm sure there are people out there who are doing it. Oh, yeah, plenty. But but my question is the the Venn diagram of people that want to play Sims 4 and people that want to play Final Fantasy 15, I don't know how much overlap there is between those two. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. But if, if you buy Final Fantasy 15, you will get some superhero outfits um, that are very ridiculous looking. For the Sims Four, um, and I'm yeah, sure I'm looking at them now. I'm looking at them now, and I can't even make sense of what I'm seeing. Like this—they're llamas. The weirdest, the weirdest shit. That's what they are. They're llamas. They're llamas. That is wild. What? The, why though? So why is everything in Final Fantasy 15 for me just like just a little over the line? Like I, it's everything is sexual. Right, like, like the for some reason I look at these llama suits and I'm like, I feel like someone's into this, and that's why they're in the game. By the way, Probably. I want I want to be clear that that the that the Sims Four skins are in Final Fantasy, not that Final Fantasy are in the Sims Four. So just to be clear, so you're you're playing Final Fantasy 15 and you have this llama maybe it's because of like the like the ripped abs and like the huge boobs that i'm thinking about that it's like it's like i don't know they're not that big as far as like video game boobs are concerned it's pretty average they probably don't need their own physics engine no probably not (laughs) it's just it's such a weird thing yeah it's way over my head i'm just like i'm not even gonna try and make sense of this like (laughs) Hey, nothing. Nothing will beat the the ramen crossover, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, that was hilarious. That was, that was pretty that was fantastic. That, that was, was great. Um, I mean, actually, because don't you eat ramen in the game? Like, don't the characters in Final uh, Fantasy? There, yeah. So that there's a cup of noodles truck in the game, and you yeah, that's something. Take a quest from Gladiolus, who tells you that his favorite meal is cup of noodles with like this meat on top or whatever, and then you have to go and kill the monster. That drops the meat, and you have this beautiful high-resolution cup of noodles rendered that you're eating. And yeah, well, there you that, go. that's that's different because, like, at least you know, cup of noodles. I'm sure paid a lot of money for that. I don't think like Squeenix was like, "Hey, cup of noodles, you want your stuff in our game for free?" No, I'm sure. I'm sure they at least made some money off of it. This I don't know. Um, the the other crossover with uh, Final Fantasy 15 involves. 
Half-Life. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even making this up. It's fucking Half-Life. You can wear the, uh, the Gordon Freeman's suit from Half-Life. It's finally. And in Final Fantasy 15, again, the Venn diagram here is just people that really want to play Half-Life 3 and people that want to play Final Fantasy 15. I... What if this is how they're going to announce it? What I don't if, believe it for a second. Confirmed. Michael, what if they confirm Half-Life 3 in Final Fantasy 15? And here's a twist on the Nintendo Switch. Right. <laughs> Gabe Newell just breaks down a wall like, Half-Life 15, baby. This is yeah. how we're doing it. Half-Life 3, Nintendo <laughs> Switch exclusive. Then, then, we, then I will know unquestionably that we are living in the dark timeline. I can see like I can the see darkest. like committing seppuku. Like, <laughs> I will commit Sudoku over that. that Sudoku. That's like a, that's like a Black Mirror episode for me. Every every yes. like <laughs> game, right? Every yes. amazing game is a Nintendo Switch exclusive. Right? <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Introducing Mike Schluger's dream game only on Switch. And then credits roll. <laughs> boom, boom. No. Brought to you by executive producer Daniel Kaluuya or whatever it was. Wake up. Charlie Drucker. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and by by the way, I want to mention that you you get to use the uh the crowbar as a weapon in Final well, Fantasy 15. You gotta. You can't you can't have the suit without the crowbar. Of course. It can't happen. Yeah, that's awesome. That's actually <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. That's actually kind of cool. I love Half Life, but yeah, it's hilarious. Like, did did Square Enix just like sit in a boardroom one day? Like, let's just let's just give something to those three guys, like Jared, Duke, and Griff, who just <laughs> love Half Life and they love Final Fantasy. Like both of them. Like, let's Jared, just give those those three guys get this thing. It's <laughs> it's it's on, more Jared. like it's more like my thinking is I can't imagine anyone sitting there and saying like. I don't like RPGs, but I love Half-Life. So now that this is in the game, I'm going to buy it. It's Yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not a thought process I'd I'd really follow. Yeah. Like it's just it's just weird. It's very weird. It's very I feel very like sense. I feel like Griff is the Meg of that group of guys. <laughs> shut up, Meg. <laughs> just, just, shut up, Griff. <laughs> Let Jared talk. I love how we're just explaining the personalities of these three people I made up. Like, yeah, that's I what mean, we do here at Preston. Like, I would, I'm like really interested to see the personality of anyone who still plays The Sims. Like, like base Sims. Like, they only have The Sims Four. They don't have any of the expansions. Yeah, um, that's a good question. Exclusively on the Nintendo Switch. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, the no, Last I... of Us Two only on the Nintendo. Oh, God. Civilization Six only on Switch. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have nightmares. We're gonna take it and off. It's gonna, it's all your fault. I'm gonna have nightmares with, with the Nintendo Labo. Uh, <laughs> no, you know what's, you know what's coming down the pike right now is <laughs> Player Unknown's Battlegrounds only on Nintendo Switch. Yeah, like, ready, and you ready. can, and you can build like a go kart out of cardboard for the Labo, and like, <laughs> that's what's coming down the pike right now. Well, they're, they're it's funny that you should mention that. Because our last what the fuck story actually does involve Nintendo Labo. Um, Bring it on. Yeah. So Nintendo is releasing officially licensed masking tape. Like this is a thing. It costs it costs about five dollars. Why not? And it's it it comes in a variety of. There's a camo one, and there's a 
there's a mushroom kingdom one with like the the mushrooms the one up mushrooms and there's one with like the question yeah so i actually like this idea because i can get the camo tape tape a, ki- a child in the house around and then no one's going to be able to find him or hear him <laughs> so, and that's one way to use it that's awesome it's going to make kidnapping really easy see him, right? and friendly and friendly yeah exactly actually so this kind of stuff is hard for us to see as adults but when i was a teacher uh i was working with like little preschoolers I'm sorry guys uh and <laughs> i ruined your lives uh, but I I used to get like just different colored like uh, painters tape, mm-hmm. right? And they went fucking nuts over it, man. Kids <laughs> love tape. I don't know why, but tape like, is pretty it's so sticky. Like it's... they they fucking love tape. And so and, and like I'd like bring a whole packet in of like eight different colors, and it was gone that day. And it's just like so if they're getting into that market, I I, I get it. It's not for us, but um, honestly, I kind of want this. Um, the mushroom tape. It's yeah, I mean, you you combine <laughs> you combine tape and Nintendo, and you give it to kids. You got a grand slam right there. Can you imagine this like becoming a collector's item? Because like, oh god, only like ten people buy this shit, and then like five years later, it's it's worth like I don't know hundreds of dollars. Or I something. I don't know. Everyone that bought it used it, except for like Gary. Gary like buys three of each, <laughs> and never touches them. Shut up, Griff. Fucking Gary. <laughs> Gary's That's cool, so though. so Gary. classic Gary though. It's typical fucking Gary. He's going through. Right? He's going through a dark time. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, Gary alone. <laughs> this this does seem like a really practical move though, actually, because you know I think when we were kids, the equivalent of this maybe was like those electronic toys that you'd get for Christmas, and like your parents would have to get batteries too. It's almost like if you're you're gonna buy your kid a Labo kit. You got you, they got to have tape for it, and no regular tape is going to cut it. So, it just won't but, do. But you got to you got to get an Nintendo that's, tape. That's the weird thing here. The Labo stuff is set up to fit together. I think the masking tape is probably more of a to repair or something, or maybe or like maybe to decorate get or decorate. It's not necessary for Labo. Like oh, okay. Labo stuff just like slots together. I wasn't aware of that. I thought you had to tape it. Okay. No, not to my knowledge. Yeah, that's interesting then. That's interesting. Yeah, no, if it was necessary to for the use of Labo, they people would have been upset if they had to pay five dollars extra for a separate thing. Man, if mm. this was back in like the nineties and they came out with this, I would have been all over that shit on my folders. Oh hell yeah. Dude, right? tell, tell on, me about on it. My like trapper keepers. I bet I bet I bet this stuff sells a lot, to be honest, because I kinda want all of it. I don't I know think so too. It, I don't know why I have this need to buy this tape right now, but I need this tape. Like I don't. So well, that tape I don't. Is you. I don't need it, but like if I got it in like a Christmas stocking or you know, I'd be like, hey, this is pretty cool. It's pretty yeah, I'd be know, pretty Nintendo tape. Yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. Well, you're welcome, Connor's girlfriend. Hey, uh, so, uh, <laughs> hey Michael, when's your birthday? Yeah, <laughs> and your address. My birthday passed already. My birthday was in December. Just okay, so good. when when's your like anniversary with your girl? Also, just passed in February. Um, You're close. What other, what other holidays? All right. Well, when's your uh, quinceanera? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Give me, give me something. I so mean, I can send you Nintendo tape, Mike. I'll give you. Okay, so just look out. You're gonna get a Memorial Day gift box <laughs> <laughs> to, to 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 celebrate, and there's gonna be a ton of shit. And especially because I hear a rumor that they're actually announcing Half Life Three on the back of this masking tape. <laughs> 
it's gonna, but I can't it's wait. Gonna, it's going to be a free code for the Nintendo Switch exclusive. <laughs> can't wait. Half-Life 3. Can't wait. That's, that'll also be one of those dual type of discs that will have Last of Us 2 on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that is all the show we have for you uh, this month. Uh, as always, uh, we really appreciate any comments that you guys leave for us. Make sure you hit uh, subscribe below. Um, and until next time, I have been your host, Michael Schluger, Chris Lassard, Connor Howard. Have a great week of, have a great month of gaming. There's a lot of keys for us. We'll see you soon. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks Assemble!